it was, you know, I couldn't remember if it was sustainable food or if it was, uh... Welcome to episode nine of TalkBots. 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 Boop. Beep boop. Boop. This week's topic, sustainable food. Food. Fat guys talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you start. Okay, good. Thanks. Uh, hey, no worries. No pressure. Sustainable food. Um, what does that mean? And I only say that because I mentioned it to um, my wife today, and she's like, well, what the hell does that really mean? And I'm like, well, that's a very good question. I don't know if I actually really know the answer. Because sustainable food is a super hippie buzzword, generally. Like, okay, what does it mean? Just... Make food, keep food good, don't run out of food. Okay, what does that mean? So from my perspective, sustainable food is the ability to maintain a food source to, uh, to a populace um, in combination with being mindful of its climate impacts. Um, because large climate impacts make things less sustainable. Huge amounts of water, or huge amounts of soil, or uh, huge amounts of mined nitrogen, things like that. It doesn't mean that um, the old ways can't necessarily be sustainable, but um, when I think about sustainable food in 2022, uh, my brain immediately goes to uh, two big topics. One of them is the food waste that we as a society do and what we can do better with that and also the urban growth of food or growing food in an urban environment. Mm -hmm. The reason why my brain goes there is because right now like 60% of the population lives in an urban center mm -hmm. and it is estimated that by 2050 it'll be 80% of people living in an urban environment. Mm -hmm. And the world's population in 2050 is estimated to be 10 billion people, which is a lot. So I've, I've had an interest in sustainable food for a long time, but didn't really know what to do about it or with it. Because there's this, there is a guilt involved when you eat a handful of fucking almonds. Mm -hmm. Because almonds are the worst food. Oh, are they ever? Actually, yeah, that's funny. Are they ever? Almonds is the conversation that brought us to yes, deciding this, right? it is. Yeah. So almonds take more water than anything to grow. They require trees to grow. And they grow in California or the Mediterranean or places that are not here. Right. So there's a whole bunch of issues with that. Mm -hmm. So my interest uh, started out at, just as a hobby... Um, uh, learning how to do hydroponics at home, vegetable growing of hydroponics <laughs> to be... That's not where my mind went. No, of course not. <laughs> no. So really, vegetables. Really vegetables, You tried to yeah. grow your own vegetables. Yeah, not try, I did. I was successful in it, um, varying degrees of success. Mm -hmm. um, I investigated a number of ways of growing food at home, and it led me to hydroponics, and... Because of the capital involved and the learning curve from someone who has no green thumb, has an interest in having one, but doesn't have one, and also just the the tubes and the pumps yeah. and the this and the yeah. that, and yeah. I was just like, that's a lot. And because it was a hobby, I didn't know if I was going to like it. Right. So there had to be a reasonable amount of money to invest initially to see if it was something cool. Mm -hmm. So the the type of hydroponics that I was doing is a thing called Kratky. And Kratky is a method where you, the water doesn't move. The water just sits in a, so like a mason jar. Mm -hmm. And you put your uh, seedling in some nutrient-rich uh, fluid mm -hmm. and it just grows mm. 
When the water goes down as the plant consumes it, you top it off, mm -hmm. uh, but not too high because you can also drown it. Mm -hmm. So shit like that. And it was uh, really very cool because it was so easy. Where we were living at the time when I was doing it, I could just put my plants in the window, mm -hmm. which got quite a bit of sunlight. Not as much as they needed, but still a good go. And I... Uh, I was that here? No, that was in Victoria. Okay. Yeah. Funnily enough, I went in to talk about hydroponics and I said vegetables and they said, really? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Really. <laughs> yeah. So like I say, varying degrees of success. And from there, what happened was it gave me a really interesting perspective, which put a, a twist that I haven't investigated too much in regards to sustainable food. But I recognize the amount of work it took me to grow lettuce. Mm -hmm. How much time it took, the effort involved. Granted, I was a novice, so there was a learning curve. Mm -hmm. But there was quite a bit of work involved. And I was growing like six heads of lettuce. I lost two to just, I don't know, being fucking sneezed on. I mm -hmm. don't know. They mm -hmm. just died. And the other others didn't grow very well. I think I probably had one or two heads of lettuce that were, I ate a salad. Mm -hmm. They were still tiny and mm -hmm. whatever. But anyhow, the amount of work that was involved. So what it did is it immediately put in my head the flippant attitude I have with meat. And lettuce took me, I don't know, six weeks. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I just want a fucking salad. Mm -hmm. Six weeks. But meat that we eat takes years. Yes. And that it just got into my head about it's just nuts how much energy we require to feed an animal to kill it for me to eat it or for rather worse me to buy it eat some of it and throw it away right now that's 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 ethics aside from like the the destruction of life which eventually bothered me too mm -hmm. uh, but um that's when the real idea of me moving towards a sustainable model uh, was of interest to me. Mm -hmm. Soon after that, um, we decided to move, and then the pandemic and out the window that went. Mm -hmm. We were just worried about buying toilet paper. So a lot, a lot of it, all of it. Fight people for it. That's right. It opened my eyes. Living in Victoria was actually a very interesting experience when it comes to that because it's it is hippie land mm -hmm. and great climate great climate for yeah absolutely for growing things but i meant from like a, a social perspective mm -hmm. is that they have major social issues in victoria they have homeless like you wouldn't believe right right and there is a huge food scarcity issue right because why wouldn't there be yeah so there's dumpster divers oh, yeah. and people growing food in back alleys and stuff like right. which I thought was really interesting. It just made me start thinking more about the amount of food we throw away and what would be a better way to deal with oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, this is a huge deal. We we are throwing I forget what the statistics are, but we are throwing a significant amount of food in the garbage that is perfectly fine. And it's not just people in homes, it's not just restaurants that have food left over at the end of, you know, a business day. It's grocery stores and bakeries and, and, and. The amount of food that they throw out, I think, would boggle a person's mind. They would have to actually witness it to see just how much perfectly good food is being thrown. Never mind, you know, like... This house is a representation of the most unsustainable food consumption probably on the planet because my wife and I rarely like the same kinds of food at the same time. There are a few things that we enjoy together, mm -hmm. but the rest of the food that we eat, she has the things that she likes and I have a whole bunch of things that I like that she will never touch. Um, and even if we did like all of the things that she and I make independent of each other, the amount of food that you have to buy in the store to make a just one meal 
is imp it's impossible. The, the, the portions are too big. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sure, you can, you know, make leftovers and you can freeze stuff. But I'm sorry, uh, my freezer is, it may as well be like a, a, a portal to another goddamn alternate universe. Because once something goes in there, it can be in there for years before I'll realize that I've got, you know, leftover goulash soup or whatever the case may be. And then when you finally do open it up, you realize, holy shit, man, this is like, you know, suitable for like uh, some kind of bio biology experiment now, not a not a, a meal to be taken to work and, and thawed and then reheated for lunch. So I have this extraordinary amount of guilt in the amount of food that we waste alone as just a couple in a house, never mind what other families are doing. So that's kind of where the whole awareness of food waste started for me. And, you know, like when I have food left over that I've just finished making and that we can't eat all of, all of it, no matter what it happens to be, the first thing that pops into my mind is, gee, I wonder if my neighbor would eat this. And a lot of times I'll do just that. I'll call them up and say, hey, I don't know if you've made supper yet, but I've got like three servings of whatever. Do you want it? And nine times out of 10, the answer is damn straight. Didn't know what I was going to do for dinner. Or sometimes we're too late and they've already planned something and oh well. And, and, and I'll just call around. And then, you know, usually I'll find somebody that's actually interested in what we have to give away. And one of the things that I'm really disappointed about in our society is that we have become so paranoid about the safety of our food that we're not even really allowed to give our food away to strangers. It's, it's actually against the law to do it. Not only that, but there are jurisdictions, I'm sure Americans can vouch for this, uh, where feeding homeless people is against the law. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> what? Like, I, I don't get it. We, we've got to find a way to get around these limitations and make it possible so that people who have perfectly good food can share it with people who could desperately use it. So there is this service that's being created and it's called Share City. It's uh, it's a website that um, organizations, cities participate in, mm -hmm. and its role is to distribute unused food. Nice. So the people who can use it are consumers of food. Yep. Creators of food. Yep. And distributors of food. Right. So they do simply as that is that if you have food that you can't use, you can find someone who can use it. And cooked? I don't I don't know. I didn't oh, go okay. to the website, but okay. maybe? Right. Probably. There's a company in Boston, which I think was one of the uh, starting organizations in this, that takes fruit that's not being used right and turns it into preserves or cans it right. and stuff like that right and then gives it away right so the food lasts longer and it's not just being thrown away mm -hmm. and the whole obsession that we have with aesthetically pleasing food yes. is the huge problem so they're they're dealing with oranges that look like dicks right right that right. you can't put in safeway yeah not in north america anyway it's too bad didn't they just pass a law in France or something a couple of years ago yeah. about about that? Yeah. Do you remember? Do you know that? Do you remember the details of it? What yeah, they it? give away the food that they that they would ra that, that they were going yeah, they to throw, don't throw out. Yeah, they don't throw it out anymore. They, they just give it away. Yeah. And yeah. so and so they should. It differs from organization to organization. Here, mm -hmm. there are, as you say, there there are probably laws that don't let people do that, mm -hmm. but dumpster divers say that that is um, a fallacy in some cases. Like some grocery stores, and I don't want to speak to which ones do or don't because mm -hmm. I don't recall, there are some that just throw the food away in a dumpster. Right. And it was really a big deal downtown is that they would just take the food and just put it nicely in a dumpster. Mm -hmm. And okay, 
We're done with this. Yeah, we're done with it. But, but there are other grocery stores that destroy it. Yes. And then throw it away so you can't have it. Right. And the reason apparently for that is from a liability perspective. If somebody eats food that's funky and gets sick, it could potentially set the organization up for uh, litigation. I, I like. Has this ever happened? Oh, it's. I don't know about this country, but I can tell you in the South in America, it sure has. probably for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, it has. I don't know. That that seems kind of a a ridiculous excuse. But it is one. But there's also there's also the conversation about insurance, mm-hmm. right? Or or write-offs, rather. Not insurance. Mm-hmm. is write-offs. Is that the foods that they throw away, they write off. But if people are just consuming it, it alters their ability to write it off in theory. Right. Because it's, it's no longer destroyed or discarded food. It's being consumed. They're giving it away. So right. it's not a write-off anymore. Right. Right. So, so um, now... I'm shooting a bit from the hip with that, mm-hmm. but in my past, knowing people that did survive on going through dumpsters and very much survived, mm-hmm. these are the conversations they had. Right. But yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of stuff we throw away. Mm-hmm. And like you say, it's in our houses, sure. Every time you clean out your fridge, you feel like a total asshole. Yeah. Because like... Man, I didn't even touch those fucking green onions. Exactly. And then you think about restaurants, the amount of food that they throw away. Not even just end of day food or uh, expired food, quote unquote expired food, but even the food that we don't finish. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. I've actually sat at my table in a restaurant and seen food left at someone else's table and started joking with Darlene. Hey, we should go. We should go grab that plate, right? Because <laughs> that looks freaking good. Why would Why wouldn't they finish that? And then you know, of course, we look at our plate, and we haven't finished all of our food either. Right. No waste is. Uh, it's gotten out of hand. It's unfortunate, not just because of the fact that it's being wasted, but because of all the effort and the money and the fuel and the and the environmental impact and the. Uh, uh, in producing that wasted food, never mind all the hungry mouths that are still hungry because they couldn't get access to that food. And the costs of food. Yeah. That is a direct correlation to the cost of food. Mm -hmm. The amount that we throw away is just not income for these businesses, so they have to keep pushing the the costs up. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It is. And it's not even just about feeding people that are hungry. That's very important. Yes. But it's just just feeding people who can use it, mm-hmm. right? The whole conversation while there's starving kids in Africa, well, they don't want my fucking Wonder Bread. Right. Like, how the hell am I supposed to get it to them? So, but they're, but like, you'd eat a fucking Wonder Bread that I had. Right. Right, that I'm not using or right. somebody else would. Yeah. You're not starving, but you could use it, mm-hmm. which just means you're not buying something else. Right. And and the whole, like, you know, getting back to what I said earlier, I think a lot of it has to do with the portion issue. I don't think this house has ever gone through a loaf of bread. Ever. In the history of ever. What do you mean? You, we buy a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. We use maybe six slices in it. Eight at the most. And then next thing we know, it's gone because it's moldy or stale or expired or whatever. Because we just don't use bread that often. We use it for very specific meals, and then it's done, mm-hmm. and then it just sits there. Um, there have been many times that I have visited stores, I just can't for the life of me tell you where, but they were probably Europe, because of course Europe does a lot of things much more efficiently and socially responsible than we do. There they sell half loaves of bread. Mm-hmm. It's actually more common than full loaves of bread or, nor, you know, full North, North American loaves of bread. And it makes much more sense because you're going to use most of it as opposed to only some of it. And, and that's just like one example. Um, Carl, I'm going to come at you. Yeah. Here I come. All right. I'm swinging. Okay. Stop making those meals where you only eat fucking four pieces of bread. Like that's part of our problem too. 
mine also included, mm-hmm. is that I buy fucking tomatoes and right. I use two out of the three that I use, right? Oh, right? And one goes on the garbage. Right. So stop making that meal that you know is wasteful. Right. Because you don't really need it. You're, you're buying you, the, the royal you, mm-hmm. is, is making it because you know that you want it. But I want tomato sandwiches. Right. But you also throw away a huge portion of the food. So are you saying I need to make double the tomato sandwiches? Yeah. That's the solution. Yeah. Is double your, then double your consumption. Then fat going to get super fat. Yeah. Double your consumption is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but it's, it is. It's wrapping your head around that. Is, um, but why does that have to be the solution, though? It doesn't have to be the solution, but it's I, it could be a solution I now. Mean, I mean, you don't get to buy a half I mean, loaf now. To be now. quite honest with you, the tomato problem I could solve just by not buying as many tomatoes. I mean, nine times out of it. And I mean, this brings us back to uh, a truth that we said last time, and I don't know if the mic was still recording when we said this. But, but no, seriously, though, I think I said to you last week or two weeks ago, you know you're rich or you know you're wealthy when... You can buy whatever you want at the grocery store. Yeah, that is that's how our conversation that is started. that is a very accurate mm-hmm. and relevant definition of wealth on a person by person basis. And I can honestly tell you that the reason I have more tomatoes than I need when we're just having tomato sandwiches. For supper is because you buy one more just in case yeah. the one or two that you bought aren't quite enough sure it's always best to have more than what you need because we have gotten so used to the idea of portions whatever's left yeah we'll either you who are we kidding we're gonna throw it right but you always tell yourself you're gonna use it right but it's even changing small things like Every grocery store you go to sells buns bulk. Everyone. Yeah. Don't buy bread. Buy buns. Buy right. three fucking buns. Right. Right? And, and it's we, just and small... we do that. No, no. We do that. Rec- I'm not coming at you anymore. It's yep. over. Right now, it's the principal conversation yes. that we all fucking do. Right. Everybody does. It's just making small decision changes like that. Mm-hmm. I want bread. Grow up. You're going to fucking throw away your bread. Don't buy it all. But I think the stores could be doing us a favor if they also said, you know, to make to make it so that you don't waste as much bread, we're going to sell them in third loaves and half loaves. Agreed. But there's lots of things that would be nice that people would do. Yes. But they don't. No. So you, maybe we again, need to the start royal, our own grocery store. Maybe. Go ahead. You front For the capital. For single people. Go ahead. For what? For single people. For single people. And couples. Right. Who don't need the big portions that grocery stores tend to sell. Yep. And then, you know, if people start walking and buying that instead, then maybe the rest of the stores will get the idea. But we have to take responsibility. Oh, yeah. More sure. than hoping that Save-On is going to save me from myself. Right. Right? Yeah, it's making decisions like enough is enough. Yep. I don't need to have whatever I want. Like, it's... The, the statement that you said is absolutely shopping. true. Yeah. Yeah. Because the statement you said is absolutely true. That is the definition of 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 wealth, right? Well, that's the most accessible definition of mm-hmm. wealth, right? Is is being able to buy whatever you want. But wealthy people are dicks. They were wasteful. Oh yeah. So if we're They'd wealthy, probably make me feel good about what right I'm doing. exactly, <laughs> right? Which is not fair, but no. but but to cast a generalization. Like, we're wealthy and we can buy whatever we want. So maybe we should just get a grip and do things better mm-hmm. for for ourselves. Because really, to go back to the bread thing, to heart back at the bread thing, like, you are you buy a loaf of bread, let's let's say, as a wealthy person, what does mm-hmm. bread go for? $12? <laughs> so, okay, you're buying a loaf of bread. You're buying a loaf of bread. You're buying a nice loaf of bread because you don't eat a lot of it for, let's say, five bucks. Right. And then you eat whatever, however many slices, and then you toss it. But if you were to buy three buns, it would have been like a dollar fifty. Yeah. Like you're saving yourself from yourself. Mm-hmm. So, but it, 
it's it's the whole conversation is that every small step leads to big steps. And if everybody did it, then everything would be fine in the universe. But and part of the problem too is that we have gotten so spoiled, and and this is um, this this kind of segues into what I wanted to suggest as my definition of sustainable food. Um, what got me thinking or, or the thought that came into my head about sustainable food is we we live in a culture now where we are provided with a whole bunch of different kinds of food that we normally should not have access to. Yeah. We have the almond conversation. You mean as okay. a as a as a an example? Okay. Okay. Uh, but I'm even talking about things like are grapes in season all year long? No, they're not. But yet we can find them in the produce department all year long. We can find damn near anything in the produce department all year long, and it it has to do with the fact that if we're not growing that thing. In the northern hemisphere at this time of year, we're definitely growing it in the southern hemisphere at this time of year. And it just changes where the food is coming from. And of course, as you probably very well know, and, and I think most of North America has started to come to the realization of because of all the talk about California running out of water, a significant amount of our fruits and vegetables do come in fact from California and Florida and other southern states, but California is probably uh, a bigger fruit and vegetable basket to North Americans than we realize. I think we're getting too spoiled at the things that are available to us all year round, um, that we have conveniently grown to accept the price for, um, and, and, it, and it isn't sustainable, and California is the perfect example of why. California has been in a super drought for more than a decade now. They are running out of water. They used to depend almost solely on uh, snowmelt, which is distributed throughout the entire middle of the state for agriculture, to grow all of that food. Um, and now they're not getting the snowfalls that they used to, which means their water reservoirs are emptying at a, at a frightening rate. And because they can't depend on that water anymore, they're digging into the ground and emptying the aquifers. And now those are almost empty. And when that's gone, there's nothing left. They haven't even done a serious job of trying to work on desalinization to get water out of the ocean. Um, so there is a very real possibility that all of these fruits and vegetables that we have gotten used to getting from California will stop very soon. And then what? Then I think we're going to start to see the, the, you know, the realization that these um, foodstuffs were never meant to be available year round. And we're going to have to change our habits of what we buy at the store you know, and start focusing on stuff that's um, in season or a little bit more sustainable. Yeah, it's, that's absolutely true to a point, I think, is that we're now, and the adoption rate is uh, higher and higher all the time, but we're at a place now where hydroponics is um, quite successful mm -hmm. and lucrative because mm -hmm. um, in many cases the quality of the food is higher mm -hmm. uh, because uh, it just it just is for whatever reason but no pesticides right or or certainly less yeah 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 basically if they got bugs they ditch they ditch that that group of food but if you just expand that out mm -hmm. and use warehouses, say the size of fucking Amazon's warehouses, yes. Yes. you can have those things. Yes. It's because these indoor vertical hydroponic farms, mm -hmm. is what they're called, mm -hmm. use like 20% of the water right. than, than traditional farming does, right. which is 
fucking mind-boggling. Oh, yeah. Right? Isn't, Mu- isn't Elon Br- uh, Musk's brother into that? I'm not sure. I, yeah, don't, I think I he don't is. Know. I think he is. Uh, yeah. You'd be smart if you were. There's a big there's a big one in New Jersey mm-hmm. and that one gets all of the uh, that one gets a lot of media attention because I think they were the first real big one there was there was a guy that I there is a gentleman in Detroit that I was watching who has a huge basil farm mm-hmm. and it just turns out like 180 pounds of basil a, a week and it's crazy like the basil's beautiful and but anyway my point is is that as prices of LED lights become more reasonable mm-hmm. or more people do it so there's less of a learning curve mm-hmm. is that you will be able to have your fucking almonds and your avocados and your oranges and you will be able to have this food all year round but the benefit will be is that it was grown in fucking Airdrie yes right and then you can have it. Right. Then have, fill your boots. Right. The problem is, like you say, is that it's being shipped from one Halfway central location. the world, yeah. Right? Like, food source issues are going to be our biggest problem. Yes. Is food sources. Yeah. And California really is. It, it feeds everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's going to burn down. Or shake and bust off into the ocean, yep. or just run out of juice. That that indoor hydroponic farms, the vertical farms, is the other side of my sustainable food. Yeah, com- our uh, mentality. And um, not not to diss the idea of vertical farming, mm-hmm. because I do think it is our future. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but even for people who don't want to bother uh, with the uh, infrastructure that is necessary to build in order to, to do that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to notice a little bit of innovation in different places around the world that give me hope that we're going to figure this out. Like I said, we just have to start getting people to notice it and get them involved in, you know... Uh, motivating uh, grocery stores and markets, etc., to scale this up. There's a Whole Foods store in Brooklyn. Their entire roof is a farm. Right. Yeah. Incredible. Yep. Do they grow everything that they sell in their produce department? No. No. But a good third to half of it comes from the roof. And they don't even have greenhouses up there. It's just... Gr- you know, open to the sky. Right. Rooftop gardening. Right. So then only half the year they have to bring shit in. Right. Right. Sunterra, mm-hmm. a local uh, specialty, I guess you could call it a high-end boutique. grocery store, boutique grocery store based in Calgary. Um, their claim to fame is that they try to source mm-hmm. as much of their food as local as possible and, you know, Truth be told, they are putting their money where their mouth is. They established a, a greenhouse farm in Acme that runs year-round. Yep. I don't have the details on how they're doing that, but I'm sure they're using a variety of different technologies to produce the heat and the light that's necessary. And they just released a batch of their first uh, specialty strawberries in their stores about a month ago. Cool. And they're fantastic. That's they're cool. fantastic. And I applaud them for doing that because one of the ideas that I sort of came up with, like it was my idea in the first place, I'm sure other people have had this idea too. If not, I can't understand why they wouldn't. The thing that bothers me about the way crops are grown, especially in this country, is that we always seem to focus on a whole bunch of one thing. Yep. Like Canada grows wheat. Oh my God, we've got wheat coming out of our ass. We grow canola, a whole bunch of it. We grow corn, we grow tons of corn. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, we grow other stuff, but nowhere near the volume of those things that I just mentioned. And... There's also a lot of things that we could be growing here that we don't 
because we don't make use of two things that we have in abundance and leveraging a technology that could optimize use of a very precious resource that we are slowly starting to run low of ourselves. And what I'm talking about is we have an overabundance in southern Alberta of sun and wind. And we are in short supply and getting shorter every year of water. So my idea is we need to prove at a medium scale level that we can convert an existing monoculture farm that only grows one thing, tear it down, take all the topsoil and reposition it in a whole bunch of hail-proof greenhouses that occupies one-third of the original land. And those greenhouses would be powered by wind and solar and heated by solar panels that capture heat from the sun all summer long and bury it underground where it can get hotter and hotter and hotter just like they do in some neighborhoods that make use of that for heating homes and businesses and then in the winter time the lights come on as a result of solar energy stored electrical energy and wind power and the places are heated by drawing all that heat back out of the ground that they've been storing all summer long and then you can grow whatever the hell you want. The sky's the limit. And the best part is, because you're doing it in a greenhouse, you don't have the same kind of problem with water management that we have in this province, which is they sprinkle it on the ground and a week later, it's gone. It's in the sky. And it's moved on to provinces east of us. Yeah. And I think if we were to scale that out, once we prove that it's viable... I've already seen examples of people with no money, no capital, and you know a few more brain cells than the average goose figuring this out already on their own. Uh, case in point, I've got a really good friend who lives in the Columbia River Valley in BC. He lives in Spillamachine, just north of Radium. They bought a beautiful property and they're growing their own stuff and they don't have greenhouses or anything. So everything that they're doing is very seasonal and dependent on the weather. But I think sooner or later he's going to come to the conclusion that he needs to change that strategy. Because not, not a thousand meters away from where he lives is a friend, a neighbor, who also has his own property and grows his own food on that land and has his own livestock. But in his case, not only does he have an open field, of roughly the same size as my buddy but he also has this huge greenhouse that he built himself and he's extended the growing season in his greenhouse by making use of geothermal he just dug a whole bunch of pipes underground about three or four feet underground and he uses the the the, the ambient temperature that is developed at that that level to pump enough warm air into the greenhouse that supplemented by the sun shining through the glass is enough to get him so that he can actually start growing shit in there as early as the end of February. Yeah, that's nuts. And yeah. then he can keep growing until the end of, you know, the beginning of November. Right. You can't do that without yeah. having all kinds of infrastructure. Yeah, not in this country. No, but he's doing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as a result... He's basically got enough food on his property to feed himself with a whole bunch left over. And I don't know if you know anybody that lives in that valley, but they barter with each other like crazy. Everybody's trading with each other for the stuff that they have for the stuff that they don't have. That's cool. And it's awesome. And that's kind of what I would like to see starting to happen here, too. Because every time I drive through a really nice neighborhood with a beautifully cultivated community garden, the only people who are allowed to have access to that food are the other people also growing in that garden. And I'm thinking, why? Why can't we scale this up? And I mean, I'll be honest with you, the only reason that I'm not a participant in that community garden is because 
I am about as far away as you can get from a green thumb as you can get. I mean, I had to, I had to try to plant a goddamn lilac bush four times before one finally took. That's how bad it was. <laughs> I literally killed three lilac bushes in a row before one would actually take and thrive. So, you know, and then I watched my neighbor right across the street from me. He's got this huge, he built a huge uh, garden box and he grows about three or four or five different things all summer long and just blows my mind at what he's able to do with that thing. But of course he can't eat it all right, because there's so much food growing in this giant garden box that it's, you know, it's, it's almost enough food to feed an entire block. And, you know, probably the only reason he doesn't give it away is because it's only available in a very short window of time. And he probably does ask around and most people are like, no, thanks. Right. <laughs> right. Or yeah, people are weird. I don't like beets. Right. Like what? There's a there's a house uh, on my route when I ride my bike. Yep. And she utilizes her front front yard, her side yard. Yep. And her backyard, hundred percent to gardens. Wow, it's gorgeous wow. in the summertime. I bet it's nuts. And no. you know who I really feel for, who, who living in that neighborhood? Who? The bees. Yeah, man. They oh are. my God, the bees must be just like, oh, yeah. this is heaven. Yeah, I'm sure she's <laughs> one of those people that have, that are are trying to get bees. I bet oh, she nope. is. Oh yeah. I bet she is. Oh yeah. If she were to start a hive, it would be filled like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she would. Because the bees would just well. be like, holy shit, man. Yeah, I don't have to go We moved anywhere. to a grocery store. Yeah, I don't have to go anywhere. This is great. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. This is like a big spa. Can we live here forever? <laughs> <laughs> I would love yeah. to do that. I'd love to grow my own food. I, th I threaten it. I wish I knew how. Year. Yeah, and I want, and I'm, I, I think I'm going to learn. I was gonna buy. I was gonna build some boxes for it um, last year and and didn't. And I'm threatening to do it this year, which my wife reminded me. She's like, "You need to do that now, then." And I was like, "Oh yeah, right. I'm still lazy about that, so probably not this year." But like, I, I really want to. I want to just be able to do it. And a big part of it is to teach my daughter. That yeah. that's what you do. Yeah. Right? Like, I might be a lost fucking cause. Right? Let's get the next generation yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So she has had a garden in her life for as long as she can remember. Yeah. So, yeah, when she gets a, a place or will participate in the community garden mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I'd really like to do it. And it doesn't have to be much. It just, I just want to fucking grow an onion that I can eat. Yeah. I made that. Yeah. And there's, like, even with those little cracky guys that I made, that lettuce, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there was absolutely pride involved when I harvested it and I ate it. Oh, I bet. I, like, I did that. Yeah. I did that. I made that. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. Very satisfying. Is that all you grew, was lettuce? Yeah, because that's the easy one. Okay. Lettuce is super forgiving. Really? Super eh? forgiving. Wow. It's forgiving to nutrients. It's forgiving to pH of the water. Yeah. It's forgiving to light. They, I, I didn't get them to grow to like a head mm -hmm. of lettuce. Mm -hmm. But just like lettuce that came, that just grew out of it, out of a little, I can probably have a picture somewhere that I can show you. Right. Um, but yeah, they just grow out of a thing. Were you growing like romaine? Leafy? Yeah. Dark green lettuce? Well, all different, uh, three or four different kinds. Wow. Yeah. Iceberg, iceberg, which is the, the, like the round one. Yeah. That one um, was starting, but I never got a ball. Right. And uh, the romaine, romaine? That's the interesting when you start to grow your own food. You mm -hmm. recognize how many different kinds of fucking food there are. Right. Right? Like forever, there's lettuce. There's two kinds of fucking lettuce. Like, what do you want from me? Turns out there are <laughs> hundreds of kinds of lettuce, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's super easy to do. It's really super easy to do and lots of lessons learned. I absolutely think that anybody should try the Kratky, uh, method. It's so easy to do, mm -hmm. uh, minimal, um, 
Supplies are easy Supplies. to get. Yeah. Yeah, you need a thing called rock wool, which is the medium to where the plant is growing in. Yes. And all rock wool is is superheated basalt, which then is just like turned to like string kind of fibery thing and molded into a little thing with a hole in it. It's totally inert. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's super, it's really cool shit. It feels like insulation. Okay. But, and uh, uh, little cups that you put on top of the uh, mason jar or whatever kind of container. I think people use margarine containers. They use whatever. Mm-hmm. Old fucking Pringles jars, like whatever yeah, you want. Yeah. And water, which a big lesson is you have to be very mindful of pH and also uh, solids in the water. Mm-hmm. So tap water is not great. Right. You can. That's why lettuce is great. Is because lettuce kind of doesn't give a fuck. Right. But it would do better if it was distilled water. And then nutrients, which now that growing marijuana is legal in this country, mm-hmm. is so easy to get. Mm-hmm. Like it's because there's a huge use case for it now mm-hmm. that didn't really exist. Like go to a garden center now and there's a huge wall of nutrients like hydroponic nutrients yeah. not just plant nutrients like right. it's quite specific but and it's really easy to do and it's fun hmm. and I got a, I bought a cheap LED light which is pretty close to the right exact right spectrum mm-hmm. and uh, just put it on a timer that I bought at Canadian Tire and yeah let's get light for eight, 16 hours a day and watch it grow hmm. yeah I'm gonna do I'm gonna start another one because of this podcast and the and the uh the reminder research that i did mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah i really like this so i'm gonna grow some kale in my basement sustainable food interesting grow it myself but that's kind of the point is that i'm not gonna grow kale that will feed my whole family every day right but it'll contribute some yes right and if i and if it expands then it contributes more right yeah and uh, and yeah. the word that the word on the street now is that um there are companies that are now in the business of actually building everything you need to actually grow vertical farms hydroponic in a sea container mm-hmm. and they build it it's fully equipped. Yep. You just decide what you're going to grow in it. It's got the lamps. It's got the, the, the plumbing. It's got everything. Um, and the beauty of that is that if you are a grocery store or a restaurant, because there's some restaurants, I guess, high-end restaurants are starting to think about doing this, where they're like, to hell with having to get our herbs and our, and our vegetables and whatnot from a store where we can't always depend on them and they start, you know, increasing their prices unexpectedly and stuff, uh, you can start growing your own stuff that you're going to use in the restaurant. And grocery stores are starting to do the same thing too. The Safeway, I think, now has at the end of one of their aisles near the produce section an entire section of uh, herbs uh, where you're literally buying the plant with the roots still in the soil. It's like a potted herb plant. Mm-hmm. And you can take it home and use it and even use it to grow more yep. and keep growing it. And I was actually looking at the mint that they had there and thinking, boy, I'd like to buy a couple of those mint plants, not to eat, but to plant around the foundation of my house to mm. keep the goddamn ants away. Oh, yeah, right. And I guess once you get mint established... Uh, you gotta you gotta actually watch it like a hawk <laughs> because it grows like a goddamn weed. That's but funny. I thought, yeah, let's see, let's see, let's see if Carl can kill the mint, <laughs> or actually get it thriving, and telling the ants what they can do with themselves, because uh, they're getting bad in our yard, and I've heard that mint growing mint is a perfectly natural way to tell them to it's find not. somewhere else. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. So, yeah, I think um, that as more and more places uh, take advantage of this 
ready-made technology um, that removes any excuse you could possibly have on growing your own stuff. Uh, it, I hope it becomes a fad. And I hope that more and more communities start treating their community farms or community gardens as not something that's private just to the people who are contributing to the garden, but also uh, finding ways to open it up so that, you know, hey, I've got all these beets here. Who wants beets? And you don't necessarily have to give them away. Find some kind of barter system that's acceptable to everybody who's not a green thumb. They'd be like, well, or, or even, you know, if, if uh, one of the things that you need to keep the garden going is a refresh of the topsoil or fertilizer or whatever the case may be, then, then yeah, yeah, sign me up. I'll, I'll, prov I'll buy X number of dollars worth of things that you need to keep this garden thriving. And in return, I get to come and take my pick of beets, what you've got growing. Yeah. But it's going to come, there is going to come a point where we are going to want to grow as much of our food locally. And if not locally within our communities and even within our cities, at the very least within our own province. So that, you know, the farthest Santerra has to go is Acme to get their greenhouse grown year round strawberries. That's, and, and, I, and I ate them. I can say without a doubt, I am here as witness. They are phenomenal strawberries. They are phenomenal. There is, you can now have your strawberries whenever you want them grown right here in this province. We've proven it can be done. And yeah, you'll pay a bit more for them because of that, but that's because we're not yet experiencing the economies of scale yet. Right. If course. only one person is doing it, you're going to pay through the nose because only one person is doing it. But when every store is doing it, that's when it becomes more affordable. And then you won't feel guilty picking up a bag of grapes in November because it won't have traveled here 4,000 kilometers. You'll get, be getting something that was actually grown nearby. Because i got to be honest with you, I get a thrill going to places like farmer's markets and buying food that's been grown around here. Mm-hmm. Even BC, I don't even, I even don't have a problem if stuff is coming in from BC. Right. But yeah, the almond thing, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because once I explained to Darlene, for example, just how unsustainable almonds are, I said, in case you're wondering why I'm not eating your milk chocolate almonds that you bought last month, it's because I am, that's it. I'm, I am done. I'm mad at almonds. I am done with almonds. Yep. This is not something we should be buying anymore and just let that part of the industry die because it's just not worth it to, to waste all that water on a little nut when there's so many other nuts that we could be eating instead. Luckily, she's on board with that too. We are not buying almonds anymore. So people, stop buying almonds. <laughs> Save the world. Oh, there it is. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> Save the world. Don't Save buy the world. Almonds. Don't buy almonds. You're going to get, you'll be killed. <laughs> the almond mafia is going to oh, find yeah. out where we live. Sure, shit. I live in one. Edmonton. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I really want to, I'm going to grow food this, this year. Cool. I'm going to do it. Now, kale, uh -huh. that is something that can be dried and snacked upon, is it not? Oh, yeah. Sure. I yeah. would like to try some dried snacking kale grown at my friend Adam's house. I'd be down with that. It's going to cost you so much money. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of sustainable, I bought some Zevia. Oh, the pop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And? Uh, oh, you're going to bum well, me out. No, no. No, I'm not. I don't love it. Okay. I don't love it. Sure. But it's it's not 
it doesn't leave such a bad aftertaste like um, Diet Coke. It's 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 good. It's just not. Oh my God, this is right. Yeah, but it's good. I bought two flavors. I bought some uh, black cherry and I bought orange. I haven't tried the orange yet, but I've been drinking the black cherry one. Don't expect crush. If no. you're expecting orange crush, no, you're no. going to be disappointed. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get it. There's a new flavor out, creamy root beer. Oh man, I gotta go buy that. So I don't want really? drugs this week. Oh wow. Yeah, they have a ginger, ginger root beer. beer. Yeah. And it's know, it's good, man. It's good. They're all good. Fucking telling me the Diet Coke's not good. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's all, all I can drink. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I loved it. Zevi is all right. Zevi yeah. is all right. For a type 2 diabetic, it's real good, man. I bet. You know, like... It's and, I mean, I've made up, and I mean, I've made up my mind. I'm going to try and, and drink a lot less sugared pop yeah man almost cut it out entirely maybe treat myself to it you know like once or twice a month and that's about it my Did you, yeah it went down yeah not enough to make you happy but it did go down <laughs> hey it's not my body man i was at 7.6 yeah and i made it to seven that's better than 8.4 and i think i can take it way farther down you that. definitely can yeah it's all about choices. Yeah, exactly. It's all about not having that sugary pop once yeah, a month. Exactly. A1C's a dick, though. A1C is a mean, shitty number that people obsess about. Like we talked about. A1C is that girlfriend that says, that brings shit up that you did six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's hard to manipulate. A1C is hard to move around. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I think, like I was saying uh, at that podcast, is like variability is the new A one C. That's the one you got to really pay attention to, and it's hard to do mm-hmm. when you don't test your blood sugar. It's fucking impossible to do. Yeah, but studies show that an A one C is a number. Mm-hmm. Variability shows you how much damage you're doing to your body. Right. Yeah. So, um, but good for you. It's mm-hmm. down. It's yeah. not great, but it's down. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, you can get it lower. Mm-hmm. You just have to make oh, choices. Oh, I know. I've had it lower. Yeah. So, I mean, right. you know, the proof is in the past. Yeah. You just got to change. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, in in that instance, uh, you don't get to take insulin. You don't get to eat whatever you want. No. Like I do. Yeah. I can eat whatever the fuck I want. Right. But if I fuck up, I pay way harder than you do. Right. But if I do it right, things are great. Mm -hmm. I had a great one today. I had French fries for lunch. Just French fries. Which Mm. is a fucking gamble. I guess so. And I had a lot of them because I was like, I'm going for broke. (laughs) I'm going for broke. And my blood sugar when I started was 5.0. Beauty number. And three hours later... I was 4.2. So I just a hair overdid insulin. Mm. It was magnificent. Mm. I did such a great job. Speaking of which, today is my diabetes anniversary, 31st. Wow. Today, yeah. What do we got for art? I didn't start anything new book-wise. I read The Andromeda Strain. Oh, what a beautiful story that is. That was such a good book. That's one of my favorite movies. They they actually did a good job with the movie, but I did read that book. It's really the good. The book was phenomenal. It's really good. It is. And I started the second book of The Wheel of Time. I'm almost done it. Right. Only movie I watched in the last two weeks was Sonic the Hedgehog. Because <laughs> 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 I have a... Three-year-old? Yeah. He was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. The last movie I saw was Dune. That was a long Well, time at least either. in the theater. The new Formula One season's it. out. Do you watch Formula One? Not really. The The show yeah. is great. I didn't watch it either, but it's a great show. It's huh. compelling. Wow. Yeah. It's really very good. You ever been to a Formula One race? No. No. No? No, not at all. 
I've only ever been to one event. I used to, I used to go to NASCAR when I was a kid, not because I was interested in it or even because I wanted to, but because I spent most of my uh, summers as a kid in New Jersey, which is where my mom is from, and they happen to have uh, NASCAR races nearby. And every once in a while, my cousins and whoever would drag me to a NASCAR race. And, you know, this is back in the time of Richard Petty and Bobby Allison and all the rest of those guys. And uh, I thought that would have been enough to kind of get me stuck on NASCAR. But nope, it did not. I uh, lost interest in it just as quickly as I was introduced to it. And then my brother started you know, going on about Formula One. And it's like, especially when Formula One came to Montreal. And he's like, Formula One, dude, Formula One. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And he's just like, no, he goes, next time you come home, you've got to come during Formula One. And I didn't even think about it. And one time that I went home, I went home during Formula One. And he said, God damn, you should have told me you were coming home. I would have got tickets to the actual race. He goes, but you're lucky I managed to get us tickets to the time trials. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so what's that? And he goes, they basically race around the track by themselves to, you know, get their lap times up. Yeah, for pacing. Yep. And uh, I'm like, hmm, racing with themselves. Sounds exciting. He goes, dude, so you exciting. have no fucking idea. It's so exciting. You have no idea. So we're going there, and he's like, you have any ear defenders? I'm like, what now? He goes, well, for God's sakes. He goes, you're going to go deaf. And I go, get out of here. He goes, all right. So we get, <laughs> we get there, and we're sitting in the stands, and they, they, got, uh, they got tickets to stands right at the end of a straightaway in the first chicane. Nice. Oh, my God. When these cars come screaming down that straightaway and then downshift. Yeah. So loud. It's like it sucks the air right out of your lungs. There's just so much vacuum being created around the back ends of those cars as they're downshifting. Holy shit, mm -hmm. man. Yeah, that's cool. It's like, it's essentially the culmination of all the technology we've ever invented about internal combustion engines yes. taken to the nth degree yeah. and thrown in a car that is basically, you know, on the verge of killing you yep. at every turn. You know, if you just hear about it, you're like, yeah. next topic. But when you see it, yeah. when you feel it in your, in your chest, yeah. when you hear it without ear defenders, mm -hmm. <laughs> Man, oh man, it's something else. Yeah, it's cool. It's like watching. It's like watching a war go on in front of you. Yeah. Except, it's just a vehicle yeah. being driven to the extreme. Incredible vehicles, incredible drivers. Unbelievable. It's really. It's. It's I, nuts. I it's highly insane. recommend you give it a go. Give yeah. the first season a go. I think there are only twelve episodes a season. Yeah. And they take place over the entire. Formula One season. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Um, is it real? Or is oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's actually the Formula One. But I mean, is it is it a dramatization or is it. Nope. It's about yes. actual Formula One teams. They're at Formula One. Oh, They nice. travel with Sweet. Formula One. Sweet. And the fourth season just came out. Neat. Yeah. So Neat. I'm like, I just saw it and I was like, oh, that's like the only show that I've ever watched in the last decade. I'm excited to check it out. Nice. Yeah. Jenna even got into it. Is that right? Eh? Yeah. It's just because it's it's compelling because it's not just about the cars, but it's also about the drivers, the, the drivers, teams, the mechanics, the yeah, owners, everything, the sponsors. Yeah, the battle between the drivers, yeah. the politics. Oh yeah, the, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. I recommend you give it uh, even an ep two episodes. I don't think there is any sport more competitive in terms no. of... No. It's, yeah, it's really... egos between those drivers. Yeah, and even within the teams. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. They, like, these are the best drivers in the world. Oh, yeah. Without 
and the and mechanics. Oh yeah, everything. Their and engineers are insane. Well, like you were saying, like th- these are like the pinnacle of what we do with vehicles. Yeah, these engines And then at the end of the run, year, but they do. They throw them away. Yep. And then they make a new one. That's right. It's like what the fuck? It's amazing. And the rules are cool. Like it's oh yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, I was really going to get into it. Like, I bought a subscription to Formula One, which allowed me to watch the races mm-hmm. and shit like that. And then it just, they take place on the other side of the planet. Yeah, unfortunately. Like, I like it. I don't like it that much. Right. And uh, the races are long, and so I just wait for the next Netflix episodes. Next week. Oh, yeah. Next week. Fuck you. Stay tuned. It's going to be a... Different. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say, I'm not, yeah, I'm not setting any expectations. It'll be a 15-minute episode. But, uh, <laughs> I got my questions all figured out. Do you? Yep. I have two. I've got them all written down. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for listening to yeah. me talk about food. See you next week for episode 10. 10. That's of... big time. Oh, yeah. Fuck, we're a big deal now. Jeez. Jeez. Do we have like a thousand listeners at this point? We We must have. Probably at least a thousand. At least a thousand. At least a thousand. Tell your friends, please. Talk bots. The three people that are listening. Talk bots. Talk bots. Bob bots. Beep. 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 Beep.